0: Mm-hmm.
1: of him episode 118 i'm anthony gallegos joining me for what might be a shorter episode is a diminished cast of arthur geese i
2: don't feel diminished i feel full of uh and
1: special guest uh sterling mcgarvey hello filling Hi. in for matt chandronay and tyler barber he's yes he you're sitting in for two people matt Come is a uh, twice on. the
0: man in one chair concentrated matt That's is
2: awesome. on location and tyler is at his best friend's wedding
0: yeah those are all super legitimate reasons to not be here. And I have a totally illegitimate reason for being in the Bay
2: Area this week.
0: General principle. I just yeah. felt like coming up. I miss seeing faces. I'm glad right. to be here hanging out with you guys. I mean,
2: there's been sort of a mass exodus of gaming people from Los Angeles over the last two months. So,
0: Yeah, I decided, you know, I'm kind of like tired of being in the isolation chamber. I thought I'd just come up and... Uh,
1: Hang out. With them I don't know that like, four people qualifies as a mass exodus. There's
2: not that many people in Los Angeles.
1: I know, I know. I'm saying, I'm saying I mean, size-wise. Sure. Okay,
2: there's a lot of people in Los Angeles. <laughs> there's not that many games press people in Los Angeles.
0: Um, and so usually they don't migrate. Usually if they're no. there, they're established there. But nobody really does the yo-yo up and down the states. It's so like much. there's G4. And there's trailers.
2: And game trailers. And, yeah. That's it. So here
1: we are. A few other sites. Um... You can find all about websites online. You don't need us to tell us where they are. So, <laughs> that is true. Uh, so this week a couple I'm just going to give two iOS games a shout out to start us off. Go get Scribble Oh my
2: god, yes. Okay, that's it's $5. By, that's cheating. That's not giving a shout out. It's buy this game that was awesome elsewhere that's even more awesome.
0: It's $5. It's $5 if you didn't have the other ones. Then yeah, it's super worth it.
1: And there's this other game that's actually a game you probably won't hear about. It's called, because it, not everyone's going to talk about it like they do Scribble Knots. It's called Squids. It's a, an indie game coming from a French developer. It's like a turn based tactics game where you control these squids and to move them, you pull back. And they everyone has like, it's a turn based action. It's my sort of jam squad based, turn based, and everyone has action points. But it's done in this really beautiful art style that actually reminds me of the way something like Rayman Origins is drawn. It's, like, really oh, pretty. Oh, cool.
2: Which is very French. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Indeed.
1: These And to be fair, this French studio, all ex-Ubi employees. So... Hmm, makes um,
0: sense. There's actually a really good one my wife is playing right now, and I can't remember the exact name of it. Um, another friend of mine um, recommended it. It's I God. It's a Korean developer. It's for iOS. It's like the Chateau of something, and I keep calling it Chateau Marmont, which sounds. Absolutely I know terrible. what you're talking about, and I but, can't yeah. think of what it's called. Either. But my wife is playing it fanatically. Um, she absolutely loves it. Um, I'm going to look it up, and I'm going to tweet it out. But it's she's been raving about. It. It's her favorite game on the iPhone right now.
1: But yeah, definitely. Uh, you should check out Squids because that's one a lot of people, and it's only a dollar. And it's on iPad and iPhone. It's a really cool tech. The Secret
2: though. of Chateau de Moreau. Yes, that is it.
0: Ah, says the man who has a computer in front of him. So
1: those are your three iOS games you should check out this week. Because God I know damn, some, people, some, uh, some people have written in saying they just got an iPhone 4S. And they're like, I want games to play. So if you're making the leap, there are three really good ones to get you started. Um, so I also played other handheld games this week. I, played, I, I got a copy of Aliens. Infestation. Oh, infestation? Oh, I want to play yeah. it so bad. That looks
2: like a fucking
1: Genesis game. It is that's very much a Genesis game it. with a little bit better animation um, than a lot of Genesis games had, but it is a Genesis game in the sense too that it is brutally difficult. Like yep. uh, you get a squad of four marines, you can switch them out at checkpoints, and if one of them dies, they're dead. They never come back. It's if,
0: w- uh, way forward developed it, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's why it's hard.
1: So if if, <laughs> if one of them dies, they're dead. You find other marines along the way that you can fill in that slot with. But if you're like fighting a boss and one dies, then you and, and you go as the next one. It's kinda like the old G. I Joe game where you could switch out between like the four uh G. I Joes you took with you. Yeah, yeah. And uh but yeah, when they're dead, they're permanently dead for the whole game. So I don't think the game's very long. From what I heard the game's very short actually. Okay. But that's not that's so, like you can beat it in like two and a half hours. That's but, the, uh, sorry, go ahead. But I was gonna say, but it's because it's like this brutally like it is like it's like an old Nintendo game. Right? Old Nintendo games were only like an hour if you could beat them, but yeah. they fucking took forever because they were so damn. They hard. were brutal. So yeah, this is kind of an homage to that. Makes sense. And yeah. it does aliens really well. There's still like the the mo- the motion tracker that beeps out and shows on your map on the oh, bottom cool. screen, and 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 there are still people with chest bursters, and so
2: it seems in a lot of ways referential of Alien 3 on Genesis. I that's what I right. was thinking of. Oh, yes. It, 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 it is, is a lot like Alien 3 on Genesis.
1: Except, yeah, and it, and it continues a lot of story in Aliens. For instance, this takes the whole game takes place in the Sulaco after Ripley has escaped it. And so oh, this cool. is a team sent to investigate the Sulaco. Which is,
2: so it's weird that it essentially, storyline-wise, is concurrent with Aliens' colonial marines. Correct. Hmm. Which is why it's funny that it's coming out now, considering that game isn't coming out till some nebulous time period next year.
1: Yeah,
0: one was ready for prime time.
1: If if you still have a DS and you haven't played it in a while, this is kind of like the twilight of it, right there. Yeah, I was pretty uh, cool.
0: I was thinking about. I think it was Jeremy Parrish tweeted something last week that got me thinking about it, and he said like, if there was a game that I really want a dsi
1: xl4 it's this game and i would love to
0: play that game on a bigger screen
1: yeah it's it's a really cool looking game and it has you know and it just it's a perfect homage to alien all the sounds all the sound effects it, everything you expect from an aliens game in a 2d side scroller even much more than alien 3 right because alien 3 didn't have things like motion trackers it did yeah. have a
2: motion tracker did it yep i have video of it on my on the laptop screen right now
1: Awesome. Alien 3 had motion trackers? Yep. My memory. How did that My make memory sense?
2: deceives me. It didn't me. neither did the pulse rifle
1: that she's running around. With. Okay, okay. So this is this is context. Yeah, I I mean I played Alien 3 once years ago, but this is yeah. Alien it also had really theme.
2: rad music. Um
1: So Walt. so Arthur is watching Alien 3 videos. <laughs>
2: Uh, i was just just looking it up because you were talking about it 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 it's a good reason Uh, you have the
0: advantage of having that in front of you i I should be pulling up stuff on my phone
1: so yeah so so i tried out aliens i also have been playing a a really hardcore pc game that i've never played it's a franchise that's been it's fucking old and i admit i've it's kind of weird that I never played it i'm playing Heroes of Might and magic six it comes out on thursday Oh or fuck! So you, it'll be out when this comes up. I haven't played a Heroes of Might and Magic since three. See, I've never played a Heroes of Might and Magic game, so I I thought my mind was tainted of Might and Magic from that Messiah Wild game, Heroes. Dark Messiah game. Oh, Dark oh, Messiah. Right. So yeah. when I when I when I first got told I was going to be playing Heroes of Might and Magic six for review, I was like, oh, it's going to be a first person like game. <laughs> no, and no, no. <laughs> Heroes of Might and Magic is like a hardcore top down strategy game with like a camp. It reminds me actually a lot more of something like. Like, uh uh if games like the Kessen series that Te- Tecmo Koei has, if yeah. those had turn-based combats instead of like the real-time shit that they try and do or whatever, oh yeah, yeah, you know, like like it's like that though, where there's like a campaign over map and you're moving a hero around. And so far, it, it's a it's pretty cool. Although I will say there are certain features that are really weird. Like you have to be online the very first time to activate it, of course, because it's an ubi PC game. Um and then there are other things that they try and do too. They have totally like a Dark Souls thing going on where there's like, well, no, no, hold on, don't roll. Yeah, I, Arthur rolling on, on. his eyes. I just I wish mean, there was a I just, sound I just mean that. in the sense that uh, there are places where people can leave messages for you.
2: It would be the sad foghorn about what's <laughs> about
1: what's coming ahead. But all the messages and it's like you've, users vote up which ones appear at the top. Yeah. But all the ones that are voted at the top are like waka waka waka. That's like one okay, the one you know voted what? That's fine. To I'm
2: totally. That's. That's one of the really interesting things that Dark Souls does.
1: Yeah, so. I like that about that. Yeah, so this game has a little bit of that too. But if you're looking for, if you like the other Heroes' Might Magic games, from what I understand, my coworkers tell me, very much still Heroes' Might Magic. Is I there? Mean. I mean, is there loot? Yeah, your character. So your all your heroes get equippable items, and so you can get new engagements over loot if you want to, or avoid them and just continue with the objectives. You know, can each level of a campaign map takes like hours because it's tons of turn based battles. Yep. And the turn-based battles are a lot like something like Final Fantasy Tactics, where how you place your units isn't as, like, the terrain doesn't really matter, but who's next to who and whose powers benefit each other are the things that benefit.
2: Might play this game. So it's
1: it's pretty deep and intense. And, you know, it's still got, I mean, if fantasy is your thing, it's got that too, right? Orcs and humans, except now they're kind of getting along in this game. 11 years
2: since I played a Might and Magic game.
1: Like yeah a might and magic so game. see i've never played a might and Ma- here's my magic so this is my first for it but you know it's a turn-based strategy game pc pretty cool so far up um, your alley
0: i guess yeah huh so it's up your alley that
1: but- it is it is it's just yeah it's it's i just i don't know i can tell it's not necessarily something everyone is going to like this is clearly made for a very specific audience which, is, which i mean there's nothing great. wrong with that
2: like that's totally awesome i mean that's one of the the things that the pc really shines at now um and then uh, this last week,
1: I've also been playing. Uh, well, I've been playing Gears on hardcore, so that's been fun. But uh, are you enjoying it more on hardcore? Yeah, it's definitely better on hardcore for me. Like you know, there are plenty of games that I I usually play through the first time on normal just because uh, I don't ever know if like hard's going to be too much of a kick in the balls.
2: Yeah, a lot of
1: games aren't very good at explaining that. Um, but yeah, Gears of Wars definitely. For anybody comfortable shooters, like hardcore has got to be the way that you go. Um, although, uh, and then I've also, I feel like there's something I've been playing that's new. I'm going to let someone else talk for a second and tell us something they've been playing while well, I think internally for a second. <laughs> okay.
2: Um, does that mean yeah. that I need to talk? Okay, so do we want anger, excitement, or... Excitement. Okay. Uh, I played Assassin's Creed Revelations last week. Um, do tell. So... The thing about Brotherhood last year is that I really didn't give half a shit about that game existing until right before it came out. Interesting. Um, Because I think that I had been soured in part because I was super all over Assassin's Creed 2's balls. Yep. Um, Well, it was a worthy game to have balls hanging off All up in your business, yeah. Um, And then they released two DLC packs which are really underwhelming yeah it was like everything that was wrong with Assassin's Creed
0: well what I I noticed with those DLC packs it felt like they those were chapters of the game that they were like you know what these levels really don't work right. and it destroys the flow right I, it just really if they had had those implemented into the core game I guarantee you everybody would have said there's this section of the game that just sucks
2: Use Guillemot wanted a boat or something so they put them out, mm hmm. Uh, and so that sort of made me put Assassin's Creed back on the shelf. And then they announced Brotherhood and they said it's gonna have a heavy multiplayer focus. And then I was like, What the fuck are they thinking? Though the multiplayer in it was cool, right? I
0: immediately, when they said they were gonna have multiplayer, I was like, Oh, so it's gonna be like Splinter Cell, but I can stab people. That was my immediate knee jerk reaction, and then it ended up being pretty fun. Um, just didn't have
2: an audience, unfortunately, right. not to sustain it. Yeah, possibly and then, like the biggest failure of a multiplayer mode in any game this generation, like to gain a foothold.
0: Yeah, It's definitely.
2: I don't know too many people who actively.
0: I don't know anybody who actively. I mean, that game sold like ten
2: million copies, and you you'll be lucky if you can find two thousand people playing it yeah the, the, I mean, the multiplayer
0: launch day like launch day we were all over it partly also because I was working on the review but I had so much fun playing it like I had a really really good time but of course what usually happens you jump in for the first couple of days maybe you have a head start because you've been playing it a little earlier than the general public and then you go you do something else you come back and either everybody's gone or well oh, it, God, everybody's gone
1: but the few people that play now are like so good are like jedis yeah like, they're just like <laughs> impossible to fight
2: um yeah but so, yeah, so that all sort of made me not interested in Brotherhood. And then... Or Revelations, you mean? Well, no. Well, so the way my excitement with Brotherhood worked, is like a month before I came out, all, all of a sudden I watched a couple trailers and read some stuff about it, and I was like, I kind of want to play some Assassin's Creed again. And, and I played Brotherhood, and it was awesome, if flawed.
0: Yeah, it was the... Um the discrepancies between Ezio levels and Desmond levels were glaringly apparent to me. You know, they felt I, like it was design. it was a ga- two different games being mashed together.
2: Not, I mean, not just that, I mean, like the narrative didn't fit together very well, and it wasn't very well thought out.
0: No, on the other hand, it's kind of the same way that I got really excited. The first thing I wanted to do when I played Assassin's Creed 2, like the absolute first thing was to try to climb to to the top of Il Duomo. Because when I went to Florence for the first time, that was the first thing we did. It was like walked up 500 stairs and damn near died of an asthma attack and then looked out at the Duomo. So when they played in Rome, Rome's like my favorite city in the world, hands Mm -hmm. down. So I immediately was just like, yes, I'm going to go do Rome shit. And that's what excited me. But the story was kind of, the story was a little more uneven and the ending was just infuriating. And was, I know people so always abrupt. say, people always say, oh, whatever, Assassin's Creed games usually do have a crappy ending. This one was the cake taker for me. Like, I it was just like,
2: wow. Wow. Are we talking really? about the Ezio ending or no, the No, we're Desmond talking about ending? the Desmond ending. I actually, I was totally fine with the Desmond ending because it was interesting. And like, I think I just hated the puzzle and that was the payoff okay. after that atrocious puzzle. Okay.
0: I, I g- felt like I, the game had slapped me in the face at that point and then rolled to the credits.
2: I'll give you that. Um, so I really liked Brotherhood. I enjoyed the hell out of it, but it felt very much like a bunch of pieces slapped together with not enough time, and that's what it was. Mm -hmm. And Yeah, it's like a 10-month cycle. So hearing Revelations announced, I was like, oh god, so now they're going to be every year now? What the fuck?
0: That worried me, because when they showed it at E3, I had a very difficult time
1: mustering excitement. I was kind of
0: like... Okay, Ezio's getting old.
1: We know. Well, not we, just that, but anytime you see the same game like for four years straight, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, with slight variations. It, it does start to burn you out. Even
0: if it's good, that is my biggest concern. Is I'm really just worried that I'm we're all going to be so exhausted of that franchise by the time they count to three.
2: Right. Well which maybe next year. Most likely. Or I think next it year will we'll will conclude something else. There. I think
0: it's gotta be it's gotta be three next year, partly because they need to move on, and also because I believe a lot of the events of the game lead to two thousand twelve. So So
2: the thing that I'm not sure about water. with that is that this feels like the on year game. Like every yeah. Ubisoft franchise that falls into this trap of rapid sequels mm-hmm. has like the big release and the off year release. Like yeah. Splinter Cell is the quintessential example of this. And it happened to go street yeah. and it happened to Rainbow Six Vegas. Like, yeah. Like Splinter Cell was awesome. Pandora Tomorrow added something cool, but wasn't as good. It was
0: okay, and then Chaos Theory blew was everybody's amazing. Heads yeah. And then, and then Double Agent was Double Agent was better on Xbox than it was on because 360. It was
2: from the same dudes who did Chaos Theory, basically yep. making new levels in their old engine. Yep. Yep, um, and then I really liked Conviction. Well, I loved. Conviction. I might be in the minority with Splinter Cell fans. No, you're in the minority in
0: this room. No, on it. Okay. Like seriously, popping dudes' skulls while DJ Shadows playing in the background at the end of that game is probably going down as one of my favorite moments this generation.
2: Sorry, occasionally I slip onto message boards, and Splinter Cell Conviction is like an indication of quote everything that's wrong with the games industry but uh okay so i enjoyed it it. like rainbow six vegas was awesome rainbow six vegas 2 just felt like a bunch of shit slapped together
0: yeah it was okay but not up to the standards of rainbow six vegas it happens revelation so far has not necessarily had me excited but i know it's gonna happen like it's november's gonna come around i'm going to pick it up i mean that game is out in a month
1: i felt the same way about uncharted like i like the Uncharted franchise a lot but like i've just like i already know i'm gonna play it like i feel that way about a lot of games when i go to e3 and stuff like that and they're like you get to go see uncharted and, and you get to go see this i'm like all right i'll go see those but that's not the thing that excites me it's because it's like we're gonna, i know i'm gonna see this like 12 times before it's seeing the out. games
2: you didn't know existed exactly like, that's yeah. what
1: going up to six four and packs this year and seeing all the little indie games that you're like oh shit something that's cool and
2: not you know just a three or two yeah as an aside did you see the hitman absolution video that i have came not out this yet week? Did you? I have not. So remember when I went to Judges Week and I'm like, Hitman looked amazing? That demo is what they released this week as a video. Oh, nice. It's fucking incredible.
0: I haven't. Usually as a rule, I'm very hesitant. I don't know why. This is a very weird quirk that I have. I'm picky about videos. It have been for a while. I'm picky about videos
1: just, if they're longer than like two minutes.
2: It's like a 15 minute playthrough of a level and it's pretty mind blowing from start to finish. Okay. Um, anyway. Interesting. So, back to revelations not I wasn't really excited for it, like no, because we I mean, haven't talked about
0: it too much until they started rolling it and out. i
2: don't I didn't feel like it showed very well at e three like it it looked really ragged mm-hmm. um, but I went to an event last week and I played about three and a half hours of it um technically speaking it's it's made some pretty big improvements, like they've changed the way they do faces entirely oh. um now they're using a lot of shaders and stuff like that to actually sort of compose faces as opposed to the plastic surgery burn victim faces that they had in the last two. Um, so they look sort of like Uncharted faces.
0: Okay, so a lot livelier. Yes. That's um, cool.
2: Like more depth, more personality, more character. Uh, I think it's interesting as an example of a game that has a lot of characters, important characters that I believe are Muslim. Yeah, which you don't really see in games ever.
0: No, not very often.
2: Um, Because it's going back to Constantinople. Yeah, Um, yeah.
1: There's just not very many games set in a Muslim world though, either. No. Unless you're shooting them. I was gonna
0: say unless you have a rifle aimed.
2: I think they're Muslim because like one of the one of the persons of interest, like you, have to go protect him after he's returning from his Hajj. Yeah, I mean oh, if it's turkey okay. chances are they're Muslim. Yeah. So Pretty moderate about it, but yeah. So I mean, it's not like it's not beating you in the face with the fact that they're Muslim, but it's, it's like a,
0: it's a fact of life and that's how I feel like that stuff, you know, people can jump on whatever train about being annoyed about political correctness. I feel like if you present those sorts of ideas as something very matter-of-fact and normal mm-hmm. to the game world and the game environment, that's cool. I like that yeah. kind of stuff. It presents me with it presents me with a worldview inside
1: of an experience that I normally would not be accustomed exactly, to. Exactly. And, and without making it to the point where they're like trying to make it so obvious that look how, like, look how, look, we're, we're trying to make sure we look show all sides. Which we takes are. Away, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It takes away from it too.
0: It's just kind of like, yep, this is how it is here.
2: So there are just little touches like that that make it feel a little different than the last two Assassin's Creed games, which were very Italian.
0: Yes. Which I know. Cool. I didn't play them in English.
2: Um, Also Altair features in it fairly regularly and you find out a lot of stuff about his later life.
0: Yeah, Um, I really do feel like that is a, I guess that is kind of the purpose of it is tying up that loose end with Altair because honestly, I'm obviously, I mean, I'm, married to an Italian. I speak some Italian. I had a very vested interest in these last two Assassin's Creed games that mm-hmm. I kind of forgot about Altair and kind of went, oh, I guess, you know, he just went not off. Not to mention
1: and... Altair was kind of a dick. He like, kind of was. He wasn't was. likable.
0: He wasn't he likable, was. was but I mean, the first Assassin's Creed didn't, it didn't exactly light the world on fire to use that cliche. It, was, it had a lot of flaws It had a lot of problems and it turned people off and the fact that the protagonist wasn't necessarily likable, it was the fact that I feel like they were so busy building that game as kind of their proof of concept right. that so many other elements of it, it just it was not firing on. And all you have cylinders. to
2: wonder what iteration the original Assassin's Creed was, considering that I think that it started out originally as like a Prince of Persia game. Yes, like that. I believe w- so. That whole system was Prince of Persia, mm-hmm. um, which is why it's appropriate that it took place ar- near that area in the first place. But <laughs> so Revelations. Uh, I mean, right away, forgot how to play it. Just like every Assassin's Creed game, I forget how to play them. Yeah, they have games. kind of funky controls. Um, and it right away, it throws a new tool into the, in, into the mix that's used in every facet of the game, which is intimidating. Um, what is, is it? the, the hook.
0: Oh yes.
2: Um, so like, what, like a hook shot. No, it's a hook on your other arm. Oh. So it's a blade on one arm and a hook on the other. Um, you use it on zip lines. You use it when you're charging. You can use it to do sort of like a roll over people or a tackle. You use it in combat is another option. You can use it for sweeps. Oh, um,
0: I imagine you can also kind of like hook a dude's shoulder and throw him at somebody else while
2: they're trying to stab you. I didn't
0: see that happen. That's the one thing I would immediately be curious
2: about. Is Did, it yeah, it connect. doesn't mean that you can't. Sure. Uh, like zip line assassinations is another thing that you do. You're, you're more like a murderous Batman than ever. Uh, it also adds extra reach for jumps. Um, like if you're making a long jump and you're not going to make a ledge, you can put it out. And it gives you like another eight inches of clearance to grab onto something. Uh, you know how you would jump onto the lanterns and they would swing 90 degrees? Yeah. If you do it with the hook, it just swings out instead. Huh. So it changed. It gives you a few more options in the way you traverse the environment. It's funny you
0: said it makes you a more murderous Batman. I've always thought when it came to video games, to me, (laughs) Metal Gear is the most Batman game. Really, it has Uh the most fucked up
2: villains. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, but just that's always been my analogy from a gameplay perspective. I don't know. Brotherhood had some pretty fucked up villains.
1: Yeah, but they're not yeah. like they're not fat bombers on roller skates. So. Yeah. No, it's brother sister implied mean, brother sister some... fucking. Yeah, Batman isn't quite oh. that fucked up though. Batman's fucked up in other ways, but yeah. Batman, that is
0: true. But I always, in terms of the villainy, the grandiosity of their villains, sure, I've, sure, sure. I've always that. said that. It's my side tangent. I
2: don't want to derail your Assassin's no, no, Creed I, to I mean, too much. It's totally valid to say that. It's just in playing it, Assassin's Creed was always like the Batman game that I wanted, and yeah. now it's even more like that because you are zipping around.
0: I could see that, and now we kind of have more of a Batman game that we want. I would very much like to play Arkham City. I heard it's good. To LA.
2: Reviews on this Friday, so, so basically, something that could make the game over complicated actually just ties everything together. Like it's a piece of equipment where everything you do is is affected by this piece of equipment, which sort of makes it relates combat and assassination and traversal together in a way that they've never really been linked together. They've all been like these separate things.
1: Yeah. I mean it, it, it wasn't weren't they all just linked together in that same sort of principle by your hands? I mean really this is just an extension of your hand. I guess. Right?
0: It was kind of like I mean to me was, I felt like the gameplay elements were always you're kind of you're constantly shifting gears. It's like you're driving stick shift. Yeah. Where you had to like change gears in order to do this and then change gears to something else. And so something even mm-hmm. that should be fairly simple always you know like the act of there's a guy beneath you and you need to assassinate him and you're hanging on a ledge so you have to make sure that you rotate then target your guy then make sure you're poised right then get ready for the drop then do the drop then escape and it was you know while not making me- necessarily i wouldn't say oh it's mechanically clunky but it was a lot like switching having to shift gears a lot
2: just to it's, get down the road yeah it's very delineated between things that you're doing that's
1: like what a month out now
2: yeah um and they're adding other things like one of the missions was i had to take out these minstrels and wear their clothes and sneak into a party which was funny i got to see Ezio with tights crawling up his ass basically Hmm. Uh, and your job is to distract guests at the party with really bad loot playing while other assassins take out People trying to kill this important person.
0: That's pretty great, especially um, considering the minstrels and the lootists you
2: had encountered yeah. in, the, in two. So yeah. it's great. Yeah. Is
1: there also multiplayer in this one? As there well?
0: there is
2: multiplayer there in this is. one.
0: The beta is, uh, has the beta finished? now? I
2: think so. Yeah, I think um, so. and that, that's the thing is that they've been really pushing the multiplayer in this game, and they really haven't talked about the single player. And they did that with the su- the, the last one to too. the point
1: where a lot of people thought it was a multiplayer only game yeah. for a while. Yeah, um,
2: I remember that. And there's tower defense elements now. Of course, because that's what you put in the game now, apparently. Because you have these assassins' outposts in your cities, but the guards can try to take them. So oh, when they okay. do, you basically have to defend them. Oh. So you act as a general, putting down assassins with various capabilities, like on rooftops or on the ground, and putting up barriers and try to take out these guards that maybe are just dudes with pikes or they're guys with rifles. Or maybe there's a battering ram, and I couldn't kill any of the battering rams that I came across. So I always lost when those came on the field.
0: It's funny you mentioned the tower defense thing because I just remembered I did apologize for attempting to derail. I am going to steer it back again to Metal Gear. Brotherhood reminded me a lot. A lot of those elements reminded me of portable ops. Hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting design choice that as you recruited assassins, you could send them out to gain XP and do your bidding and then come back and then you could sick them on people. It felt very, very MGS portable right. ops.
2: And so the, the, the towers in Brotherhood that you could take, that you had to take, uh, guards can retake. Okay. Um, so everything is much more integrated. Like, it's more organically connected than it was last time. It feels like a more refined game, which is why it feels like the on-year Assassin's Creed that I guess it should be.
0: Interesting. I'm um, now, color me quite intrigued.
2: Um, and then story-wise, it's doing interesting things already with Ezio, um, with Altair. Like, it's doing very interesting things with him story-wise that I wouldn't expect, given that he's one of the least likable characters I've played in a game this generation. Um. Yeah, it's it's I am excited for Revelations. After playing that few hours, I was very sad when I had to stop. That's
0: a uh, that's a glowing
2: endorsement, which is good because I was initially really pissed that this game wasn't going to be Desmond's story because after the end of the last game, it seemed like that's what it had to be.
0: Yeah, I god, it just left me on such a sour note. <laughs> I just I want to play a, a current era
2: Assassin's Creed.
0: For me, I think a lot of the charm is going through going through the history and the reenactments. I think that's a huge draw for me, because I can't... Somebody will probably point out that I'm overlooking some other glaringly obvious game, but I can't think of a title right offhand that's a major, you know, what we consider kind of a blockbuster release that puts you in these sorts of historical reenactments with this level of detail
1: and well, there context. isn't that many games that kind Nothing, of take place really. in, like, that particular particular period in european history either
0: yeah that's what's really fascinating to me like the
2: rise of western civilization basically yeah Yeah,
0: you know i don't want to yeah i kind of feel like it's a bit of a stretch to say stuff like oh well you know assassin's creed is kind of educational because they're talking about these historical things it's it's educational yeah i guess i think it's a little bit of a leap of logic (laughs) yeah it's to me it's kind of a stretch but at the same time I just I find myself getting so lost in those worlds because they're so vivid. And when it's specifically places that I've actually been to in real life, that kind of amplifies it for me. So I just, you know, too, I was just enamored with it because I found myself going to these streets where I'd been in Florence and seeing things that I knew that are still there now, centuries
2: later. Mm -hmm. And that absolutely enthralled me. That makes sense. Excitement. So, Revelations excited. Uh, I played Dead Rising 2 off the record today. Mm-hmm. Um, that is Dead Rising 2 with Frank West. As, as it's I all figured. it was
1: ever billed as, right?
2: Yep. So, I played on the PC last time, which was the way to go, in my opinion, because it was the most stable, best performing out of all of them. This feels almost imperceptibly less janky than Dead Rising 2 did. It feels a little more... Uh, put together um, just in the way that it looks, the way that everything behaves, the controls, everything else. But I'm really early on. Um, but once again, I think the PC version is definitely the one to play if you have a PC that can run it, which shouldn't be too hard. Capcom stuff has been pretty good about
1: there a reason that. to play this, though, if you played Dead Rising 2?
2: I mean, it does different stuff. Like, not a lot of different stuff, but it tells it. It's pointing at things from a different angle. Like, I might play this, and I played about two-thirds of the way through Dead Rising 2.
0: I have it. I still just kind of... it's. I liked the first one, um and then, I don't know, something happened in my life, as it usually happens with a game, and I got distracted, and I just
2: never really went back to it. The nice thing about Dead De- De- Rising 2 is you can restart it any time and just take all your levels and stuff and start the game over.
0: You could do that with the first one, I remember.
2: I restarted several right, times. You could, you could times. die. But in yeah. this, like, you can actually just stop at any time oh. and reset it. Okay. Uh, I don't think it's that way in Dead Rising 2, but Off the Record definitely has that. Um, uh, I played some Forza, which is... I've heard it is... Uh... Really, really good. Yep. I exactly. would like to be playing more of that right now. Mm-hmm. It's just really approachable. And it just... Whereas Gran Turismo is constantly kicking you out of the experience, it's just like it so easily segues from one race into the into the next with whatever car you're using. Like if you get out of one car and get into another, like as soon as you go back to the race thing, it automatically presents you with a race that that car can can participate in, um, that it qualifies for. And if you want to go to a race that your car doesn't qualify for, it's like, well, here, let's go get into a car that this, this works with, and you go straight in. And those are all things that it's easy to take for granted playing Forza, but are missing from Gran Turismo. Do you play Um, Gran Turismo? I did. I played Gran Turismo 5 for like five hours. Um, I'm
0: curious about, I mean, I've been, they've been talking about, you know, spec 2.0 and how much it's going to change the game. I'm a little surprised
2: they're charging for it. That they're not charging for No, it? that they're charging for spec 2.0. I
0: thought spec 2.0... I, mean, I may have read it wrong somewhere, but I thought spec 2.0 was free and they were p- dropping the price of the game.
2: There's a bunch of stuff that they're charging for that are modes and add-ons for Gran Turismo 5 either this week or next week. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I did the Joysticks PSN update post oh, yesterday. And I need to look bunch it up stuff to be there. sure. Um, but uh, as far as the way it looks, it's very bright, it's very pretty. I still think that Gran Turismo is a more cohesive visual presentation just because the way Gran Turismo is put together from a visual perspective, it just looks like it's being shot on really nice video cameras. Um, just the way that the color palette is sort of like very tight. It's, it's sort of not contrasty, but, but the darks are sort of accentuated. It just looks like something you would see like from video recording of a racetrack. Um, and Forza doesn't do that. It it still doesn't look quite real, but the lighting is really nice. The in cockpit stuff is fun, and I've totally transitioned to only playing in cockpit mm-hmm. in Forza 4. Um, but it's fun, and the music is really good. Sterling, I think you'd really like the music in Forza 4. Would I? Uh, it's really good electronic stuff. It's not dubstep, is it? No, it's not dubstep. You don't actually. like dubstep.
0: Right. Oh God, Sterling, dude! If drum and bass was the uh, was a wolf, dubstep is the yappy chihuahua that it's devolved into.
2: Oh, I, I like drum and bass, and I like dubstep. Couldn't I'm, you at least call dubstep the hyena going after the wolf's leftovers? No, it's a chihuahua. Oh, I like, so I like mean. both. Man. I'm
0: a stuck, like, uh, before I wrote about games, I wrote about electronic music. I know, I, I know, am a I stuck like up snobbish
1: music. asshole. But I like it all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll listen to drum bass. I'll um, listen to.
0: But then I'm reminded people, all my friends now remind me like 10 years ago of what I was listening to. And they were like, you don't get to make fun of dubstep. Also my friends, I saw my friends play in LA, um, and they were always drum and bass dudes and they played a dubstep set and I went to one of them while, you know, when he wasn't on the decks and was like, this is the first dubstep set I've heard that didn't make me want to jump off a tall building head first. So maybe there's hope for a cynical old bastard like me after all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that you would dig the Forza soundtrack. I'll have to look up the track listing and see who's on there. I, it's, I haven't heard any licensed music at all. Really? I no. thought it was licensed music. I, I have. I'm not saying there's none in there. I okay. just haven't heard any.
0: Yeah, somebody else was griping about the soundtrack actually, and they were like, "Oh, I just turn it off. I just, you know,
2: I just race without any music. I just want to hear the road." Um, I really like it. Uh, and I played Dark Souls. Like five and a half hours of Dark Souls. I am not liking that game. At all? Yeah, I don't know why you. Not your style to play of it. game. Because I was essentially double dog dared on Twitter, and I'm an idiot. I think I also prodded there.
0: No, I think I was trying to Who discourage cares you. What from anyone double it. dog dares you on
2: Twitter to yeah, do that's it. right. I think I was I discouraging
0: think, you because I was like, you know, sometimes there's roads that you don't necessarily need, you need to take. Need to walk
2: down? Yeah. Uh, I think the thing, in particular, that goaded me into doing it was a consistency of language in most of the Dark Souls reviews I've read. That almost seem to apply that anyone that doesn't get Dark Souls is lacking in in like in character. Oh like, right. The use of the word patience comes up a lot. It's like, you know, you've gotta have patience for Dark Souls. As
0: if we don't apply patience to any of the games that we play that we invest dozens and dozens of hours yeah. into at any given point. Um,
1: I mean there are games that I think legitimately require patience if you wanna actually learn to like, certain hardcore P- RTSs and stuff require, and there are, like, a certain level of patience. And
2: there are some games that don't require any patience at all. Yeah. Um, I like to think that I'm a fairly patient person. Um, but that's patience is not my problem with Dark Souls.
0: I think what it comes down to, to me, in, in general with that game and with Demon Souls there's kind of, I don't know. I, f- there is a certain amount of kind of, there's the E factor to a degree of kind of like, Oh, it reminds me And I, I was actually having a discussion over lunch about this today. I said, it's funny how gaming has changed because of achievements and trophies. And now your friends lying about how much you suck at some game and going, dude, you couldn't get past that part. I like beat that in like 15 minutes. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. Cause you can just pull up somebody's gamer card and call bullshit on them. Um, But there's something about that kind of ethos and kind of making your friends feel kind of inferior because they can't hang that goes on. And that's not for everybody who plays the game, but I do feel like there are kind of undercurrents of it. And honestly, I kind of like whatever floats your boat. If you're into Dark Souls and you like that kind of game. Good. I'm not going to diss you for right. it. Don't diss my taste. And I'm I got totally other shit
2: to do. I don't mind people liking Dark Souls. That yeah. part doesn't bother me. It's the sort of sneering derision to people that say, well, what about this or this in Dark Souls? Because I don't see people talking about how fucked the camera in that game is. And the camera in that game is fucked.
0: Somebody else was saying, um, another friend of mine made a good point. They also said amidst everybody talking about the difficulty, people, people are so fixated on that, they're not paying attention to all the other elements about the game, the game world, how beautifully designed it is, and
2: so on. See, I don't really see that. and like, I like to think that I pick up on that stuff. I could be wrong. Um, I, 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 it's so hyper-derivative of Western RPG conventions that I guess I have a hard time seeing that stuff. Um, right down to like the skeleton warriors or the skeletons with swords and shields or the black knight or the dragon or like demons that just look like like the sort of western incarnations of demons um, the most interesting stuff I've seen was I mean in, that's not to say those things can't be pretty in their own way no they can be but it's its not like it, there's nothing distinctive about it um, like the things that Dark Souls does that are interesting to me is that it contextualizes character death in a narratively interesting way. Which is that when you die and you continue, there's a reason for that. And oh, instead of
1: just hitting the continue.
2: Like, exactly. Which is that, oh well when you die you're dead and this mark, this curse basically transports you your your being back to this bonfire and reconstitutes you and you get to do it all again. Mm -hmm. And if you have the right items, you can make yourself alive again. But if you die, you're back to being that dead thing again. And there are certain advantages to being alive versus being dead. And that's interesting. Like that plays with a convention that we take for granted in games and does something with it from a gameplay perspective, which is that's, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, The message system is cool. The bloodstained stuff. Honestly, it's, You just see someone dying. You don't see what kills them, which sort of makes it like, just like this sort of America's Home Videos or America's Funniest Home Videos thing with just one person in it. I see. Um, Some of the combat is good. A lot of it's bad. That game seems to be about maneuvering to have the environment fuck over enemies as much as it would fuck over you. As much as learning to play it, and it is a lot of learning to play it, by which I mean you memorize where things are and figure out a strategy to run through those things or to kill them in the fastest way possible. And then you get a little bit further, and then you die, and then you do the whole thing over again, which I don't think is that fun. It's a very classically old-school Nintendo kind of thing.
0: Well, I think that's what people kind of like. And again, the same discussion It's really hard for me to either kind of stick up for dark souls or completely condemn it because I don't have it and I haven't played it yet. But you know, we were talking about a lot of people love the fact that it kind of evokes those kinds of really difficult old school games. And I said, yeah, but the thing that we all forget about with a lot of those NES games is that some of those games weren't just hard because they were hard. They were kind of broken and you were 10
1: yeah, yeah. I've tried with emulators going back and playing plenty of things, and I last like five minutes before I'm like, this is dumb now.
2: Yeah, and I mean, the only reason I can go back to something like Castlevania 3 is because I remember most of it. Yeah. Um, but I I don't like the controls in Dark Souls very much. I, I don't feel like they're particularly well implemented. I don't think it animates very well. Um, I'm totally cool with the, the combat. The actual fighting is, is fun, in my opinion. Um, but... Maneuvering around the world is awkward. The collision detection of the world is not good. Like, you'll find yourself slipping off something that in another location would be totally valid to go on. Mm -hmm. And it has no way of establishing whether something is totally off-limits to you without you dying. No, that's no good. And then losing all your shit and going back and having to make it back to that spot to get your shit back if that's what you want to do.
0: Yeah, I guess there are people who find some reward in that attrition. And yet... I don't know. It's funny. I hear that, and I almost feel like there's some... Somebody is going to write some, like, if it hasn't been done, some, like, kind of long-winded, pretentious thing about how it's almost a metaphor for Buddhism that eventually, as you beat the game, you reach enlightenment yeah, time. through death and suffering.
2: It just seems like a series of moments of, well, man, I'm glad that's over.
1: See, the, and, and I guess for some people, it's, a uh, man, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. And uh, I'm on the same boat you are. So that's why I'll never play it.
2: And there's a loot element, too, and I can see where that's appealing. But. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, it, honestly, if there was a person who would probably give a spirited defense of it right now, it would be Miguel Lopez. But we can't fly him up here. Miguel likes those games, huh? Dude, you have no idea yes. how hard Miguel crushes on Demon Souls and thusly Dark Souls. I,
2: hard. And that's totally cool. Like, mm. I, I am all over, like, Hitman Blood Money, which is a game that has a lot of really weird design problems.
0: Yeah, I didn't make it very far in Blood Money before I just kind of And lost in a lot interest. of
2: ways, Hitman Blood Money has some of the same design problems that I think Dark Soul has, which is that you have to play through something over and over again to learn to do it right.
0: Yeah, I guess that was always what turned me off about playing hitman that everybody would the way people would describe going through a level when when i would hear hitman stories my hitman experience never lived up to other people's hitman stories
2: shit went wrong and then i pulled up my guns yeah so you played it like anthony played it yep and it
0: was kind of like all right i'm gonna try to my whole
1: philosophy with hitman is i roll with it whatever happens
0: i always my thing is was always when i played hitman i would try to do everything really carefully and this was I think now, as I've gotten older, I've gotten over my overcompensation problem which is whenever I played stealth games it, with the exception, well, no, it happened with Metal Gear originally and I had this terrible problem with Splinter Cell up until Conviction, but I would always overcompensate which means I would wait probably about 20 seconds longer than I needed to to pass a guard because I was so worried that the mechanics would trip me up. Yeah, and that would happen with Hitman where I'd overcompensate so hard that I'd actually hit some button and completely fuck it up and then I'd just have to run around and shoot at everything. Yeah.
1: That's, well, that's the thing, is for me, it's like if I fuck up and kill two people and it doesn't mean that everyone heard me, like I'll live with it. I killed two people, like because I, I just don't, I just don't want to sit there and reload over and over and over. Whereas again. for like,
2: me, on like subsequent playthroughs, it becomes like a puzzle game, like a very dynamic puzzle game. I mean, I still yeah.
1: think it's a puzzle game for me, like figuring out if I can do these things without being caught. But if I'm caught, it's not the end of the world to me. Like I'd rather just roll with it than reload and do it all over
2: again myself. So guess. I mean, in that way, like I, I get that. Like, sure. wanting to learn a game's, like, nooks and crannies and be able to conquer it that way. I just, I don't... This one is just not this one. I don't right? like what it does. And that combined with the, some underlying mechanical problems that I don't think are as, as forgivable as the people giving that game, like, a nine and a half out of ten. Or, like, five stars out of five. That kind of score. Like, I'm really surprised that these things are just being glossed over. virtue of it being different
0: do you think there's a certain amount of also kind of pride going on with some of the reviewers
2: I don't
0: just deposit that I hesitate to
2: make personal judgments
0: I'm not well I wouldn't necessarily say
2: especially on a podcast about my peers in the industry like as far as how they're reviewing games I am just confused from a purely just public service standpoint how these things aren't being mentioned or they're being sort of gently papered over um,
0: well maybe it's because of the emotion the emotional you know the the feeling that you get going through the experience to them probably that over that supersedes the issues that you have with the game that you feel like are being glossed over that yeah. that sense of accomplishment overpowers And it's all.
2: not like dark souls would be the first game where that happened like there are other even more high profile games where that happens like take something like halo 2 is an example of a game that had some serious problems that people just like ignored initially to call it one of the greatest things they'd ever played. Things like that. I mean, as a out-there comparison. Sure. Um, yeah, so I played Dark Souls.
1: This week I played uh, The Darkness 2. I played How it last week. I actually that? played it with the joystick person. We had to trade back and forth because there was only one demonstration. Was that here? Yeah. Oh, so, so it was
2: Dave Henkel? Yeah,
1: so we traded back and forth, me and Dave and uh you know i uh, i loved the first darkness like i wasn't like a game i would have given like game of the year to or anything like that but it was like a really cool first person game like it was partially a shooter but it also was just like a first person game like not exactly open world but you would roll to these different parts of manhattan and stuff and get to roll around with jackie and meet his girlfriend and there's like one of the most brutal Murder scenes I've ever seen in a game.
0: That's what always sticks with me. Is that's what sticks way, with everyone. Well, it's not just that. I, I always loved the way that they kind of juxtaposed those calm moments to make you feel that emotional attachment, and then they
1: just snatch it away from you so brutally. Yeah, well, and they, it makes they, you feel like a person. They have they game. have very yeah. little time to actually, actually establish nice that you guys have a relationship. But that's a good example of a game where you have a relationship because you're playing it. Not it's a cutscene
2: being like oh look you guys are together and you love each other um and it, it also establishes the adversarial nature of the darkness yeah. Too, yeah that it's sort of taunting you about it when it happens well
1: and it keeps you from stopping it doesn't yeah, so, yeah. um so so yes yeah, so, so the, you know darkness 2 not being made by the same team but uh, it still looks really good like I like the arts the the sort of like almost cell shaded art they're kind of doing for it, almost like Borderlands
0: I'm always but, a sucker for that
1: but uh, it looks really good but also like the darkness powers are kind of cool and now you can upgrade them and the last one it was just like there was a very specific progression of darkness powers and now you can like specialize in doing like gun focused ones if you want to do your guns or like, ac- <laughs> like uh, execution focused ones if you want to do that combat looks way more fun in it which is cool and it's still very much like there's like those guys are definitely still trying to keep the tone set in the comics that the guys even from, more so that from Starbreeze setup. I mean yeah like the level that both Dave and I saw was like set in a brothel you know and it's like some shady shit's going on and they don't hide it you know they're definitely not one to ever shy away from cussing or having someone brutally killed in front of you or
2: you're like the first demo they ever showed of that game you're mutilated
1: Right, so this actually, the part we saw actually leads up to that mutilation part. So, but yeah, you know, it just looks like a a cool take on it. And, you know, the the darkness voice is still there. And it's like this really weird sort of dynamic between the fact that you have this really cool power. And also, Jackie is like, he's like a good example of a character that's a real bastard, but also still likable. Like, Mm -hmm. he's not a good person. He's a Mafia Don, and before that, he was a hitman. He's just like a horrible person. But yeah. yeah. you still like him, and you still feel bad for his like girlfriend in the first game, and you know who's like this really sweet girl that's in love with this dude that's like a fucking sociopathic killer. And
2: led to one of like the most heart wrenching endings to a game I played that year, and one of the like most emotionally sort of powerful endings. I don't to even the remember the ending ever. of the darkness. Like right now. you end it sitting on a bench. Oh yeah, like, that's, oh, yeah that's right. Like like basically saying goodbye to her. Yeah.
1: Say I don't remember that at all. It's been a few years, but uh,
2: same. Because you're dead, and the darkness brings you back. Yep. So you can't be with her, because. Um, Say so yeah, so die.
1: There's still things going on in the darkness too. With, I mean, I think the theme throughout the darkness is always this whole thing with Jenny, because that was like, you know, the darkness came out, and as part of the darkness coming on his 21st birthday is when she died. Blah 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 blah. So, I, I think too. it looks like a good continuation of like. What
2: Starburst set up that with like the darkness, great opening sequence. Too.
0: I was also just thinking that game. Uh, for some reason, I always mark that game as one of the one of the uh, the Genesis in during this era of console gaming of just completely vestigial multiplayer.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot uh, it even had that. I I totally spaced the fact that it even had. Well, I don't know why. So it's one of those in with like prey.
0: It always like to me. It kind of is just like it always will in the back of my head for all the great things it's campaigned. It always kind of has that stigma for me. I will say that the darkness two
1: comes across as way more like, way more action oriented than even the first one
2: was. More meat and potatoes. In the first
1: one, the first one when you played it, there was like all kinds of parts where you used the uh, demon arms to slowly like lurk up on guys and sneak attack. And that was how you dealt with large groups in this one you deal with large groups by running in, ripping the door off of a car and throwing it through a guy. like it's just like it's all about like just being being a monster, basically mm-hmm. when you roll into an area, you are the alien from aliens, not like you know a guy that's actually fragile or something, so yeah um.
2: Yeah, that, that one looks really cool. And how does it look, like, technically speaking? Because I'd heard that I it looks s- like it's not
1: in very good shape. I didn't see any problems with it, really. Like, I didn't notice any real hiccups or anything like that. Um, so to me, it seemed pretty fine. Plus, it's not coming out till February.
2: Oh, uh, so yeah, so you've still got time. Do you think it's going to come out in February?
1: Yeah. I, I, I would, It's already been delayed once, and everything I've seen of it looks well enough. Plus, I don't know how much longer they could delay it.
0: I don't think so. Plus, that seems like an ideal time yeah, to drop a game, you know? So? Q1, the, 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 So you went to IndieCade? I went to IndieCade. And it what was exactly fantastic. is IndieCade? So IndieCade is, it's usually the first or second weekend of October every year in downtown Culver City, which is basically a section of Los Angeles. Correct. Um, and it's kind of uh it's a festival massive festival the city um the city kind of opens its doors to a group of independent of game developers not just independent game developers one of the chairs is um richard lamarchand who's one of the lead designers on
1: the uncharted games i mean i'm sure those dudes don't mind going down there and figuring out who's designing cool shit that they might want to poach
0: well it's not just that i mean like i i know richard personally um And Richard's the kind of person, he's one of those people, like when you talk to him, it's not just, Oh my God, this is like a super, super smart guy. But as you chat with him, you kind of also feel like you're learning something from him, but at the same time, it's very open. It's like, he's, he's a very receptive kind of guy. And I don't think it's like, he gave, he gave a talk. And I think it may, it was supposed to be streaming at home where he talked about why he loves indie games. And he talked about how, There are ideas that even though he makes mainstream games, that there's a certain spirit and ethos about indie game developers that he tries to incorporate into the stuff that he makes because he's done it for so long. And he's kind of worked his way up to being a mainstream guy. And one of the thing, one of the games he gave an example of is a game called The Graveyard in which you play as an older woman you're walking through a graveyard. It's very atmospheric and he said that that made him think a lot when they were working on that that chapter in Uncharted 2 where Drake walks through the village. And you interact and instead of shooting things you, when you first are introduced uh, yeah, to some into bed.
2: like biting and yeah. touching.
0: Yeah. And the soccer ball and him going up to people and shaking their hand when you think they're trying to hit people. But he said that was great. And that was something that inspired them. And at the same time, then they use that to juxtapose when the village gets set, set on fire. So it humanized everybody It kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the darkness and kind of creating that, you know, that emotion and then destroying it to give you motivation and be more pissed off. And we right? talked
2: about this a little bit. We talked about Gears in depth last week and how like it's more effective because more so than the last two games, the emotional beats it hits, it earns. Okay, so I still haven't. Them
0: yeah, I need to get my broke ass out and go buy a copy of Gears 3. I haven't played it yet. Everybody says it's great. But yeah, um, so that was what he talked about. Um, but there's usually their talks. It's almost like kind of micro-GDC. So while there's a festival going on all over different art galleries down this one strip a of Culver. A bunch of playable
1: games too, I imagine.
0: Yes, and that was something else I was going to segue into. Um, so they don't just have video games they also have kind of they do a lot of alternate reality stuff so one of the one of the awards they gave out last year I think it was the audience award last year was for a game called Humans vs. Zombies and the idea was that when you register for IndieCade they give you a grab bag and it has a bandana and it's, the bandana is half orange half black if it's black which is usually how you're supposed to start. You tie it around your arm or some signifier that you're a human, and that basically, as you're walking down the street, you are always on playing this game. And when a zombie sees you, if they tag you, you then have to change the bandana and become a zombie. And it's all happening the entire festival.
1: It's funny. I saw something that happened like this at PAX too. I wonder if like the like if. Uh someone if someone aped this idea from these people it may have something. been the
0: actual game itself they may have been playing it
1: yeah i remember it was something to do with bandanas like yeah and 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 people where you had to p- like pick a faction basically yeah early on
0: so that was um that's the kind of thing that goes on the, uh, my favorite the absolute highlight for me and um I know it's made the rounds in other places, but it was kind of like, for me, my first time playing it. This is a game called Johann Sebastian Joust. Joust.
2: God damn that name. <laughs> it's so fucking good, though.
0: Holy shit. If there was a game that single handedly made me want to go buy a shitload of move controllers, it's Sports Champion. Oh, wait, no. It'd be this one. So the yeah, idea.
2: This, is, this doesn't even
0: use a system, right? Nope.
1: So the idea. So it uses move controllers hooked up to a PC? That
0: this, this did, yeah. Huh? The way it was running. So the idea is, imagine that you're in a group of people, it's like you and six other people, and you're all holding a candle. The Move controller is basically a candle. Okay. And it's almost like musical chairs where it starts slow. And while the music is slow, the candle flame is really sensitive. And when it's, the music speeds up, it's less sensitive and you can run over and try to extinguish everybody else's candles. But the, if the fundamental so you're idea standing is with each
1: other, trying to put out each other's candles,
0: trying to put out each other's candles. So you have to slap somebody's arm or basically slap their controller in order to extinguish their move control. But
1: if if
2: you move too fast, can you put out your own? Flame? Yes. Okay.
0: And so you have to be, it's very physical. It's very fun. I understand
2: that Nick won. Nick Sutner, formerly of Red notes? Fem Notes, won a game of Johann Sebastian Joust by throwing a, a shoe. shoe at somebody.
0: I didn't witness this, but I heard about it. I had to play... That's sneaky bastard. I believe it. There were people trying to kick each other's controllers to put them out, and it worked a few times. I ended up having to play with a group of uh, school kids, which is awkward because I'm six foot four. Yeah, how are they going to put out your fucking candle? Too I, bad. I threw the game. I, I just felt terrible, which is funny because all the kids playing it were probably 10 or 11. They were totally cynical little bastards. And they'd keep on... like this. Two, I noticed two of them would work in tandem. One of them actually, even when he wasn't participating in a game, he would try to trip up other people and... We're kind of play pick, like NBA style. Like, he totally just obstruct so his friend could run around him and slap the other guy's controller. It was just
2: very... It was fun to watch. I hate survivor tactics applied to fucking things in the real world. Yeah, they're 11. Screw it. When they're 15, I'll call them little
0: shits. When they're 11, I'm like, okay, that's fine. It's adorable. But overall, I mean, fantastic party game. Probably you would need lots of space, but it's insanely fun there's always something there and it doesn't necessarily involve a video game that grabs me last year the other big thing was Ninja Tag and that's what everybody's super into look that up on like you, if you look up on YouTube Ninja Tag so the Tag. vast
1: majority of it I take it is PC stuff
0: yes um, so also there's stuff well Fez is there so a oh, lot yeah. of people were playing Fez. There was um, Skull the
2: whale of indie gaming. Uh,
0: there's Skulls of the Shogun was there. Oh yeah. Um, what else did they have? Um, Anti Chamber. I don't know if you've heard of Anti Chamber. It's no. Alexander Bruce. He's an Australian guy, really young too, and made this game. It, I could only describe it if I were some marketing dude. I'd be like, it's Portal meets a logic puzzle with echo chromes kind of palette. So it's monochromatic, and it will you'll go through some area, and it'll give you some clue, some sort of logic puzzle, and then you'll have to, and it'll totally just—it's a total mind fuck. So you'll go and click on something for a clue, and they'll say, as you keep trying to work your way up, sometimes, sometimes you have to go down, you have to drop a little to make your way to the top, and then all of a sudden you look down and you fall down a black hole, but then you end up at the top of the level. I'm
1: still surprised. I mean, do publishers go to this thing? Like, I feel like tiny publishers, like third. Like smaller publishers might try and like give these guys like a chance to like get up on Steam or something.
0: Well, I mean, my friend Ted Rigolski was there, and he works uh, he works at Sony. So there okay. were. A
1: f- so I'm just saying yeah, and and our, our, our there. Yeah. Nick Sutner was there. So, I mean, yeah. Sony's.
2: Yeah. I I think Nick was just there, for Nick
0: probably i mean a lot of people just go there to just see what's cool i would imagine that, that they do look at that stuff it's probably not the place where deals
1: get signed in that sense it's probably not like sundance no no it's true but part of but, nick's job for instance is to find what's cool and try and get it on it,
2: sure yeah I mean, it's has been on top of that a lot over the last couple of years like trying to find indie stuff that seems like it might be up and coming whereas yeah. uh I don't know. Microsoft seems more fixated on stuff that makes the finalist at the uh, the indie games competition at GDC. Yeah, yeah. The big, 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 big.
0: Yeah, they go much bigger. Another cool. good one I played was called uh, Pew Pew Pew, and the idea was
2: like Pew Pew time. Pew lasers, not yes. pew, pew Pew Skunk.
0: No, no. Pew Pew
2: Pew lasers.
0: So the idea is that you use two microphones. One it's a two-player game, it's a two-player shoot 'em up. And one person just breathes into one microphone or hums into it to keep the uh, to keep the player elevated, and the other person just says pew 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 to shoot. It's such a just mechanically, it's it's
1: it's a shitload of fun to watch and it's fun to play until you get dizzy. If if you want to try something similar for yourself, there's a game on the app store right now Mm -hmm. called Um Ompa. Om um, pa, yeah. It's I'm like it down. so you totally go om um, to raise yourself up and down, and then pa to fire your laser, and okay. it's totally very similar. Like, that sounds. Yeah, um, it's that's not um, two player though; it's one player, and and I think that's why it doesn't work as well. That's right, yeah, what the... you're describing because if one person's specifically focusing on elevation, and one the other person's focusing on shooting, on TV, that's kind of cool.
0: It's really fun as a proof of concept. And another really good one they had was a game called Hokokum, and it, Hoc-hocum? yeah Hokokum, okay. and it looks like. A children's book. It's really colorful. The last time I've seen a game that looked this colorful was probably the first Katamari, where and it's a giant snake floating around in this space, and you kind of pick up friends and you have to drop them off in this little location. But the art style is really captivating, and that's what I loved. Um, And the game itself is quite fun. I'll be curious to see how it pans out. Uh, The other fun thing on the side is my wife does video like eight bit cross stitching and stuff arts and crafts and she actually she went up to phil fish after a talk and she's trying to get the concept art to do a bunch of eight-bit style fez shit in time for when it launches on xbla so i thought that was pretty hilarious and i thought of that because hokokum she went and got the guy's business cards and everything because apparently she wants to do hokokum related art as well it's just it's an amazing looking game So overall, every year, I always love going to IndieCade. It reminds me, kind of that feeling, that spirit, it reminds me a lot of when I go to GDC. Um, I wasn't I was a little more sour on the talks this year compared to years past, um, just because I just thought last year's Indie they just had such powerful speakers. You know, John Romero gave a career retrospective. Brenda Brathwaite gave an amazing talk about this game that she's like a personal game project. She's working on about the Trail of Tears and kind of why she makes these games about negative shit depressing well yeah these negative moments in human history is kind of a teaching tool and I thought of that in light of that joke that was going around that slavery the game video that happened and one of my friends who's not a hardcore gamer hitting me up on Facebook and going can you confirm this is real and I said first of all it says it's AO but it's coming out on Xbox and PlayStation you guys probably don't know this but that's an immediate red flag this is not legit you know whatever but she gave a great speech last year. This year, you know, Richard LaMarchand gave a great talk. That was what I was mentioning before. Um, but it just, you know, it didn't hit me on that level. Still, I'm looking forward to next year. Uh, I'm going to be really curious to see what kind of panelists they get. I highly recommend, you know, if there's anybody, if you're if on the open West to Coast, the public. yeah, the talks aren't. Um, they may change that next year. I don't know, but the talks are usually you have to buy a conference badge, which I mean. If you want to pay two hundred bucks, you can go to the conferences.
1: It's the cheapest conference badge you'll find.
0: Yeah, so you can pay two hundred bucks and you can go to all the conferences. It's all around this area of Culver City. You know, nothing is nothing is more than four or five blocks from each other end to end. It's definitely it's a festival that's worth checking out. I would say if you are a gamer who loves indie games, loves the idea of play and fun in a different like in just different means, different concepts. Um, it's worth checking out. It's worth the trek to LA to to go and see it.
1: Well, there we
2: go. I also yeah. played Connectimals with Bears. And guess what? It's Connectimals with Bears. It sure is.
0: I love the fact somebody tweeted yesterday. and said, oh, is it a coincidence that on National Coming Out Day they had Connectimals with Bears? <laughs> I,
2: I mean, there were jokes made to that effect. I went to a Giant Bomb's offices to play that with Ryan Davis. Oh, really? On uh, a quick look. There's a video of the whole thing. Um, yeah. I look forward to Connectimals with Dignity, although I don't know when that game's release date is. hmm. hmm, hmm. We'll
1: take yeah. a break. Yeah. And we'll uh, do some legend Unless Did you have any other games that you wanted to give a shout-out to, starting? by all means?
0: Um. Well, not really. I mean, I wrote down, you know, a lot of what I've been doing lately is kind of, I haven't been playing a lot of new games, but I have gone back and have been trying to go through impulse buys a lot of digital downloads that I bought when stuff was cheap and on sale and then completely forgot I bought. So I've decided once and for all, because I was talking to a friend of mine who'd never played either fallout three or new Vegas, I decided, well, I have all I have all of the content packs because Bethesda did a half off sale, so I have been working my way through all the Fallout 3 DLC that I probably should have finished off a
1: year and it's a half totally ago. It's totally worth, yeah. I mean, once you've played through it, it, it part of it, it's worth going through all of them. Even the ones that aren't as great, it's so easy just to go through
0: each yeah.
1: one, one after the next.
0: So, the only one I think I'd initially played when I was going through my main run of Fallout 3 was Operation Anchorage, and that was before they'd finished releasing all of them. So, now, I mean, I'm in the throes of broken steel, but I played the pit and the pit corrupted one of my saves. And I was superlatively pissed off about that because I lost something like an hour of play time, which is why I probably should That's have annoying to the, I should actually, have not auto saved cool, so much. A pretty cool piece of DLC. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty mad about that. Um, and then I went through point lookout. Wasn't as crazy about point
2: lookout. Um, I don't point know. Point Lookout's probably one of the weaker. Yeah. You know. Wait, wait, no, am I getting mixed up in my head? Point Lookout is the one where you go to the swamp. Yes,
1: Point oh, Lookout Point is amazing. Oh, like,
2: yeah. Point Lookout was good. I'm, th- I'm mixed. I'm Point thinking. Point Lookout out about has that. what is possibly the most surreal and awesome moment in all of Fallout Three. Ooh, which Fallout one was New that? Vegas. It's it involves hallucinating.
0: Oh yeah, that part. Yeah, that was really crazy. Yeah, never mind. That
2: whole that thing section is was kind of an mind amazing fuck. mind
0: fuck. Yeah, I did like that. Um, but I have still, you know, I guess I'll save Mothership Zeta for last, which I think most people did. Yeah, um, yeah It's it OK. And then, you know, I'm you still have to walk
2: around on a UFO, like on on top of a UFO in space.
0: The only problem is at this point, my character is so super powered and I'm still so over and practically on the verge of over encumbrance that. Even if I get to Mothership Zeta, I'm so attached to all the shit in my inventory that I'm not even sure I want to pick up any of the cool stuff that you get for your little bonus for buying it.
2: Did you ever New find weapons. the alien blaster in Fallout 3? No, I haven't. Oh, man. I guess one of the, the perk I took was the one that revealed all the locations on the wasteland.
0: Oh, yeah. I didn't take that one.
2: Um, so I definitely went around finding everything. And one of the things you find is the UFO crash site. Hmm. Which may or may not have an alien blaster, which is the most powerful weapon in the game, but you only find like eighty pieces of ammo for it.
1: Oh, oh, uh, well, until you go to Mothership Zeta, and, and then, then you find a bunch of alien. Power and, cells. and then yeah, and then it will be the only gun you use for the rest of your time ever
2: playing that game. Well, you find you get like two or three hundred rounds for it.
0: That's enough by that point, because I assume by the time well, it kills everything in one shot, basically. So if it if it hits it, yeah. I mean, at this point, I can even I can take out a death claw with three shots. I mean, that's I'm reaching that point. Have you played New Vegas? Yes, I actually I reviewed it when I was at EGM, which is weird because (sighs) that game I know everybody was griping about bugs, and it's super crazy because I played 32 hours of
2: that game, and I think it only crashed on me twice. I didn't get crashes. I just lost a companion forever. And it,
1: and it disallowed you to take a second companion. Yeah,
2: because I couldn't dismiss the initial robot companion so oh, I couldn't right. take the second robot companion. Mm-hmm. That made me sad.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed New Vegas. Um, I had a very good time playing it. There are some people that are pretty down on it because it wasn't Fallout 3,
2: but I I liked it. I liked I don't, it for what it was. Yeah. I, I'm annoyed that they never fixed the ending. Yeah. I haven't bothered.
0: I'm probably not going to play the DLC that's out now because honestly, after this whole, what I've learned from this entire fallout three experience was do not indiscriminately buy DLC just because it's on sale because eventually you don't want to waste your money. And some of this, some of this stuff, I kind of feel like I could have not played. I feel like broken steel
2: and point lookout are the two essential fallout three DLCs.
0: Yeah, I like the auto-axe from the pit, but I didn't like the, the, the crashes and the bugs in the pit just tainted it for me. And then I enjoyed Mothership Zeta,
2: but it's not great. Yeah.
0: I kind of It's funny, I, I was wondering if I should bring it up because I felt like I was exhuming old shit by mentioning it, but... That's what I'm into. It's no, I mean I would so
1: say long I would say if that. you never played it, you should. Just yeah. Because nowadays you can get it for like thirty bucks with everything.
0: Yeah, and I think actually Bethesda just finished that last week. They had a sale on all that DLC again, which is funny. because I thought, I said to somebody, I said, "Yeah, they did a half off sale last time. They did a half off sale. I bought it all, and I still haven't even finished it.
2: Yeah. Wasteful, wasteful, wasteful. I thought about playing Fallout Three again on PC, but I'd have, but I don't own any of the DLC on it. Yeah, I just, at this point, I've got over 70
0: hours invested. And for me, I'm very non-committal to most games. And a lot of the reason why I usually did not play role-playing games was because of the time they, commitment. Yeah, they
1: require, they are commitment.
0: But there you go, 70 hours. It's the most I've probably sunk into any individual game in a long time. Are you going to play Skyrim? I'm not sure. Just because all the the thing is, I'm not a fantasy guy. I'm just not. Some people say that's blasphemy. Mm. I like it. I like the sci-fi setting. That's what attracts me to fallout. That's what's attracted me to mass effect. That was the other thing I did over the summer was, you know, amidst the dusting off my backlog saying, okay, I'm going to get over this Mako hurdle once and for all. And I'm going
1: to will my way through mass effect. And I'm very glad that I did. Well, Mass Effect is much less of a commitment. I mean, it's still a commitment, but not like Fallout commitment. No,
0: it's not Fallout commitment. No. I mean, I remember distinctly, 4th of July weekend, 2009, I just hung out and spent 14 hours in-game just unlocking points across the Capital Wasteland for extra XP. And I think I, in that weekend, I single-handedly turned the Yaogwai into an endangered species in my game world. <laughs> I, ex- I killed
2: so many Yaogwai it was obscene. I killed a lot of Death Claws. The only reason I asked about New Vegas is because the change in Death Claws from Fallout 3 to New Vegas was so pronounced. Yeah. In the sense that Death Claws become impossible? Yes, that Mm -hmm. they become the horrifying monsters that you thought they were supposed Supposed to be. be. Yeah, that is true. Which is, the first time I rolled up on a Death Claw in New Vegas, I was like, I'll fucking kill that dead. Yep. (laughs) Yep. All right, so we're going to take a quick
1: break. And we're gonna come back with some letters. Oh. letters from justin and he says i love Daysex ex human revolution um with my current playthrough i've been trying hard to get to the spoiler pacifist achievement uh but as i backtracked through the through just the detroit area i'm finding dead enemies whom i defended who i definitely knocked out before i was so shocked that i let out an audible yelp because there's really no way to fix this and it's too late to restart the game yep so i guess i'm wondering if you've run into seemingly minor game glitches that
2: kind of ruined an end result for you in a game. I went through all of Deus Ex Human Revolution not killing anyone and didn't get the pacifist achievement.
0: Oh, that's right. I think I saw you mention yeah.
2: that. Um, Fuck. I mean, there's been glitches for me that have ruined the
1: game sometimes that because they weren't minor, though. It was like a door that just never opened because uh, someone never triggered the scripting. Or...
2: The Shivering Isles and Oblivion glitched out on me to the point where every time I loaded my save, I just fell through the floor. What is it? What was it? I have no idea. I don't know what what the problem was, but like I couldn't play it anymore. Um, okay,
1: let's see. Oh no, I can't. I can't answer that one. Not with since you haven't played it yet. It's a Gears Three, spoilery question. Oh, yeah. Can't do that.
0: I could go to the No, bathroom. no, no, it's, no, fine.
1: No, it's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. Um, Another time.
0: All
2: right. And honestly, we shouldn't be answering those questions when everyone is listening. Exactly. Oh,
1: Adam okay. Adam writes in and he says, I have a pizza delivery job and it's soul sucking. Uh, one day I almost snapped and walked out. Um, so he says, but your show helped me to stay calm and not, and not freak out. So thanks. But he says, in your opinion, this is related to his work. What is the best way to convince or trick someone you work with to stop being a douche? I work with a guy that is equal parts lazy and smug. How do I get him to do his fair share of work without sinking to his level? I don't want to tattle or complain to management.
0: You don't. Tattle or complain to management quietly. Leave a passive-aggressive note. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Passive-aggressive notes never work.
0: No, I'm just giving the worst advice possible.
2: (laughs) I mean, the best advice I could give is worry about your own shit. Pretty much. Yeah, I
0: mean, if dude's going to be a douche... Karma catches up If somebody's lazy and smug I'm sure your manager probably notices And is taking mental notes And he won't be a problem Forever
1: Um Okay Here I'm going to read this one Because this is actually something that I feel like I should respond to Uh So Tony writes in And he says Maybe I'm being small But is it wrong that I donated to Arthur's Child's Play 24 hour marathon only $25 and told him about it on Twitter expecting a little kudos for my job well done but he never replied to me and I felt wronged (laughs) is doing something good and expecting praise not doing something good at all I'm sure Arthur was just busy and missed my tweet so no harm there but it just made me think about why I donated so he's like am I just a self-absorbed jerk wanting a little lip service with someone I'm a fan of and I just want to say that I'm sorry to all the people that say things to me on Twitter and I always always respond I read them all and then I'm just lazy, and I move on from the web page. I just don't have the patience sometimes to sit there. I'm more myself. active
2: on Twitter, but I, there's a lot of people that respond to stuff that I say because I say things that piss people off.
1: Yeah, whereas I'm like, look at look at this, look at this battlefield video. I mean, thank you for donating.
0: No, yeah, no he, that's something he's, to be proud he, of. Donating is important. He's
1: just saying is I think you know he's like started to feel really bad. Like maybe he donated for the wrong reasons, and he wasn't being truly altruistic you know he was being like wanted to like be like look i did something cool for
2: someone that i like does that mean that if you like declare a donation to a charitable organization on your taxes that you weren't being altruistic
1: no i get what he means though right it's like it's like a he doesn't want to be the guy that like like for instance goes to his church and is like oh yeah i went and did missionary work but he didn't do it for the love of the lord he did it so he could go to his church and tell everyone he did missionary work and how cool is he what for a, social I mean, status
2: I, like asking yourself about your motivations questioning your motivations is enough to put you above most people so exactly
1: about it but yeah i agree but, but yeah
2: i mean just be happy that you did something nice
1: exactly go make up for it now by giving something to a homeless person and not telling anybody there you go that's your assignment for the day earn some karma um So, okay. I don't even know what this... MDK2 HD? Yeah. Is anybody going to try the remake update of it? All right, so that was from Jared. Did anybody actually even play MDK games? I don't even... I
2: never did. I I didn't. I played MDK on PlayStation 1 a little bit. Uh, I played a lot of MDK2 on Dreamcast, but that game is difficult in that it is very very specific about the things you need to do to keep the game going and it's really bad about explaining what those things are um, so it's really cool but I, I have a sneaking suspicion that people are going to play that game and realize that from a level design perspective it's not the game that they remember it being um, but it's really f- funny and goofy it's fun it's got a, little, a lot of clever shit going on
1: Mm-hmm this, this one guy writes in and just wants to know if you had a nerdgasm getting on Giant Bomb because you love them I was trying to skip over I, that one
2: I don't, I mean, they're nice dudes and I like what they do I know, I only read that because I'm, I'm, I'm vying for time, I'm vamping,
0: vamping. No, fine. No, I, I touched Patrick they, Klepek once
2: they have a really cool on the office like the Giant Bomb dudes are some of the nicest guys in the games industry and I'm really glad that they're like thriving doing this thing that they are excited to do agreed I wish that everybody in this industry could be as excited to do what they're doing every day as the giant bomb guys are
1: I think it helps to be in an office with like five dudes who are all like in the same mindset to the small team I feel like there are
2: a lot of people in that office actually
1: no but I'm saying but it's the editorial team is a very small
2: well they've got like Alex Navarro um, does work for them on the east coast um, and the tested guys are in there as well and they all work together and share duties on various stuff
1: right but i'm saying the dudes that write about games is like this is like a little for the
2: most part yeah it's pretty tight like it's not ign sized at all
1: yeah i, I just think sometimes that helps right i don't know and
2: they're also like in large part their own bosses so
1: that also helps being your own boss I mean, own it's pace.
2: it's cool seeing like that level of enthusiasm for what they do with the exception of like the stuff that we all get burned out on which is like getting dicked around by publishers or like like things getting changed at the last second, just like normal job stuff that we get stressed out. I feel
1: like for them, it probably also helps to to be uh, on the, the, since they are smaller staff, they get to be a lot more selective with their coverage, which is probably pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's true. There's a lot to be said about, you know, when you understand the limitations of your staff, it also allows you to be realistic about your ambitions,
1: the freedom to say, we're not going to do that. Yep. Um, So Dave writes in and he says, Uh, I'm starting a a school career in game design. Is there anything out there you guys can suggest that I play around with to start learning and programming code and or start playing around with making games? I heard you guys talk about Unity. I haven't heard more of a mention that some of you think it's cool. Um, Unity works on iPhone. And it can be ported to 360, PC, everything. I mean, like at the most recent presentation they did for Unity in San Francisco, they showed someone playing on a 360 and then immediately resizing it on stage and playing it onto an iPhone.
2: Uh, unreal engine three also. Yeah.
1: I mean, unreal engine three is everywhere and going to be in flash too. Yeah, so. so
2: now unreal engine three will be powering Facebook games within a year. Yeah. Yep. So
1: I just, I just feel like, yeah, UE three is a great one too, just because I feel like if you fuck with UE three, you can sit there and learn Kismet, which is like the way they do scripting. And that's like a good
2: skill. And there's now. a lot of object oriented programming. It's a good entry point, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean my advice would simply
0: be find a group of like minded people.
1: If you want to learn really like like basic programming for like basic flash games and stuff, I mean a lot of people still do Java games, you know.
0: It's actually interesting my another program. thing, um when I was in L uh last week, um Hideo Kojima went to USC uh and gave a whole talk to a bunch of students and he also did a presentation of the Fox engine. And the idea is, I guess, that's what's going to drive whatever the next Metal Gear will be. But the tool set, apparently, is versatile enough that he's going to share it with other developers. And it sounds like Konami is going to be sponsoring a course at USC in the next year or so. And if the engine's ready and Kojima's got it prepped, apparently it's going to be used as a teaching tool. So It's
2: interesting that, because Square, like... The news going around today was Square's new engine and how like, it's designed basically to be cross-platform and it's like DirectX 11 ready and all these other things that are way more open than Japanese like development tools have ever been.
0: Well, they've probably been looking at what different developers have been doing in the West for so not long. Not to mention right?
2: if they're going like uh, to sit there and make an engine, why not make it something all their various studios they own can um, share? CryEngine 3 is really, really powerful and it's immediately pretty. But scripting is a bitch, from what I understand.
1: I just feel like you're learning Unreal. If the industry continues the way it's going, it'll. if you know Unreal 3, you'll probably have a good understanding of the eventual Unreal 4, in which case, by the time you get out of school, you might have a good understanding of yeah. the engine that a lot of people will probably be using. That's
2: why a lot of people move from Unreal Engine 2 to 3, is because the tool chain was similar. I yeah. Think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm more of the thought of, maybe not necessarily the technical stuff, but you know, I look at it form, like kind of forming a band. Like I think the best way that you can learn to make a game is to continuously make games even if they're shit. That's what I'm saying, even just doing something like
1: in C or people say Python is easier to learn or like I said, Java. People make Java games still. There's they still meet all the time and there's some really cool games
2: made in Java. I hate Python. I had to learn some Python in school.
1: Minecraft is a Java game, but it run you know, really bad, poorly optimized one. Yep. But um Okay. Have you guys ever had a chance to play Nuclear Dawn? This is also with Jared. If so, what are your guys' opinions of it, and should there be more marketing behind the game? I don't even know what Nuclear have Dawn no idea is. I don't know what he's talking about. Okay.
0: All right. Awareness has been brought about. to Is it actually Nuclear, nuclear, nuclear Don.
1: Dawn? Uh, yeah. Sorry. No, no. it's not. Okay. That's me being a dumb redneck.
0: Oh, no. I was it's just like, I was asking. I was like, because I thought it was maybe like, you know, ironically. No, no, funny. no. It's no,
1: just me coming from a, a place where everyone votes for George W. Bush. So. We all oh. learned We all learned to say it the real way, like Mr. Bush. That's how yeah, the president
0: said It's okay. Plenty of people say nuclear.
1: I know, but there's no you. Second so you. Um,
0: <laughs> there's no two "us," Just one. And no I.
1: Um, that was such
0: a shit joke. Never mind.
1: Moving on. He says, uh, James writes in and says, This may be for Matt. At least I think it was his voice near the end of the podcast warning not to buy them. I've picked these up as part of a package I bought at Christmas. He says, X's on Steam. Uh, I bought at Christmas, but I've not worked my way through the, the package to them yet. I like the Space 4X game. I think he's talking about a package that was just sold. A package
2: of a bunch of Steam games.
1: I thought I understood. I thought when I read X's on Steam originally, I thought he was going to say something about like, ex-girlfriends.
2: I have no, no idea what he's talking about. Maybe we should... Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm scrapping your letter.
1: You didn't give any context. You're dumb. You're not, You're not dumb,
2: dumb but you maybe use your words better next time. Try again. Um, so, Aaron
1: writes in. He says, I hate the Battlefield 3 beta. What I wanted was Bad Company 2 on steroids. What I played feels like Met- Medal of Honor impregnated Call of Duty, who drank heavily during the first and second trimesters. <laughs> I've already pre-ordered the game, and I feel like I've made a huge mistake. I'm hoping it will undergo serious changes before and shortly after its release, but deep inside I know it probably won't. My question is, have any of you played a game in beta form and hated it only to love the final release?
2: Wow. No mm. to the second question.
1: Um,
0: That's the one I'm thinking about and I'm trying to think of a game where I played the beta. By the time it's True. in beta,
1: well, the it's fundamental much, game design is pretty much there. Yeah, it's but all kind of locked it's, in. It's, it's, it's like tuning and
2: stuff.
0: Yeah, uh, however, The game's done, they're just kind of stress testing.
2: However, um, I spent a lot of time with battlefield 3 last week and it plays much much differently than and i
1: played the pc uh, caspian border map 64 player online and i will say that it was it was still very fun it was like oh this is this is battlefield now that you gave me some actual vehicles to play with but i will say that it had a ton of bugs like there was like one on the pc one where every time on the server i was playing on anybody shot their gun their gun smoke would never disappear so if you ran if you if you ran down yeah well no it would just it would disappear from your gun but let's say you ran down a hill and fired like in three shot bursts like in 10 different places in 10 different places on that hill there would be permanent gun smokes so like if people were standing in a line (laughs) and firing it would just obfuscate everything with gun smoke um and there was also definitely the vehicle bug that's making the round where like vehicles collide with things they get caught on like the geometry and then start rotating And as they build up enough like physical force, they eventually launch into the sky like thousands of meters. Oh, so
2: it's like self-destruct that you better get out of there before
1: they launch into the air. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, and there's (laughs) so yeah, there's there's some interesting bugs in there that Um, I'm a little curious that they'll get fixed before launch. But but the
2: the console version um, plays much more like Battlefield Two. However, there's the destruction is definitely still not really. Yeah, you you can't if
1: you have like a machine gun with your tank. You're not going
2: to knock any trees over with it. Um, like. Also, the maps are designed... I think a lot of them seem more designed for Team Deathmatch um, than anything before. There's a lot of empty alleys, like a lot of dead ends that you can't tunnel through using just explosives. So they're very clearly there so people can spawn in those places and then run into battle. Yeah.
1: I do just think that some of that destruction stuff if you played a lot of Bad Company too. the first time you roll up and you're firing your machine gun in defense and you're like, Why? Why you no know break?
2: You can catch you a little bit like off guard. fences still.
1: Yeah, but it's, there are other effects though that are really cool. Like I like how when you fire a tank, in uh bad in Battlefield Three now, that like if that tanks like there in Caspian border, there's like a road. It's like the main road, and it's got like these giant oak trees on either side. And any time a tank on that fires, all the trees like sway with the shock of the air mm.
2: pressure change. I it think looks that really, might be limited to the PC version. I don't remember it looks seeing really cool. tanks in the 360 so, version.
1: It is, it is, I think it's still going to be a cool Battlefield multiplayer experience, but I would expect there to be some bugs when it launches. Single player is uh, questionable as well. Who knows? I, I wouldn't buy Battlefield 3 for its single player
2: myself. I played like the first five missions, which took me about 70 minutes.
0: See, that game's very out of sight, out of mind for me, because I didn't see it at E3, and I haven't seen any demos of it, so it's just kind of dropping in my lap. I didn't, and yeah, I haven't really jumped into the beta too much. I
2: I am really curious to see what happens with that game's release. Yeah,
0: that is, I'm kind of standing back and waiting to see what happens. probably pick it up still but you know
1: i'm sure i have no doubt in my mind i'll end up playing it but also everything that arthur said about the whole origin pc thing he was right it's dumb i hate it oh did the battle log stuff well well, that you it's like all right i log into origin all right yeah i want to play battlefield oh you're opening a web browser oh wait now it's playing the game uh now i'm searching for a game
2: oh now it's finally loading battlefield it's like, dude, come on! And that's like the third or fourth time you play it because the first couple of times it's like installing plugins and updating plugins. And I mean, Jesus,
1: man, just let me look at a server browser from within the actual game so that when I load in, it's just a quick load. Like, yep, yeah, that's, yep. that's just stupid. It makes it makes an Origin nothing but an off-putting experience. It's me. an obstacle. Yeah. So. Like friends
0: codes, friends codes eleven.
2: Yeah. Um, at least friend codes were within the game, though.
0: Wow, you know I always, you know what I used to always say about friends' codes. It's like putting an extra wrapper on a condom.
1: Double bag. It. Um, Are you? Is that my gum? You can send it in your letters. Asshole. Two letters at eat sleep dash game dot com. Shorter show this week, but it's also a uh, smaller amount of people in
2: this room. So uh, that's just how it is. Also, it's Saturday we will be doing extra life which starts at 9 a.m. Pacific on Saturday morning and goes until 9 a.m. Pacific Sunday morning.
1: I cannot promise that I will be up for all 24 hours of it. I will be 24 hours
2: at Arthur's house. Um, Although you might be, see me fall asleep in front of my keyboard. We will be live streaming. We may or may not stream gameplay. That's a little more dicey. Um, if we stream
1: any gameplay, it'll be over the shoulder from a shitty webcam, probably.
2: No, I mean, there's. I have the capability to do it. It's just a matter of like having time to set it up, but... We
1: probably won't. You can look at our faces though as we play games. And maybe we'll say something funny, but in all likelihood not. Thanks I'm, for the donations. Yeah,
0: I am also
2: participating, but rather haphazardly myself. You should send me your uh, Extra Life stuff so I can plug it.
1: I will send it to you. You can find me on Twitter, Chuff Money. You can find Arthur on Twitter at AEGIES. And you can find Sterling on Twitter at it's just Sterling, Sterling underscore M. Sterling underscore M. That's right, underscore M. Yeah i
0: can't guarantee anything about stuff i tweet about yeah
1: i mean if you want to follow sterling you know you can follow him for some video game stuff but man if you love football and not the american type
0: well, yeah. sterling's your you mean guy soccer oh yeah we're, we're in america it's okay you can call it soccer and not feel bad yeah i, I like i like the i like the soccer but i also like the uh the uh, a lot of shit I'm just kind of a boolean base of a lot of miscellaneous brain droppings and also occasional video game
2: chatter. Brain droppings. Yeah. That's good. Right.
1: So, thank you for joining us, Sterling. Thank you for hosting me. It's been far too long. Thank you for listening, everyone. And uh, as long as the world doesn't end, we'll see you next week. Or someone dies.